Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbarnwell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. Has the series on fasting blessed you? Amen. For me, it has really, really deepened my walk with the Lord. Um, it has, like I said in the past, unearthed certain things that I needed to give attention to privately in my world. And um, has brought me to develop in my obedience in other aspects, not specifically relative even to the practice of fasting. I know, for one, my prayer life has deepened to a level now that I will never look back upon. Now prayer has become such a priority. I am outgrowing things of the flesh, which would have held me captive previously, but I've outgrown them. And I look back, and I can say of certain, in certain realms, like Jesus boasted, the prince of this world has come, but he has nothing in me. I want to encourage you in the same, to grow to a place where you overcome the world. The Uwiah son, one of the depictions about him, I told you, he's one that overcomes things. Things that held you captive in one period. Right now you're finding that you are transcending. You are over, you're overcoming. And I want to encourage you, this has been, I feel a surge toward maturity. I feel a propulsion towards adulthood in the things of the Spirit. Amen? And I want to encourage you, it's time to search for to a place, leaving the place of intimacy, of, of infancy rather, and proceeding toward the place of maturity in God. It's really time to, to grow up in the Lord. I must confess that this, the message on Esther is a development presently within my spirit. There's just too much in the book to prosecute now in the session. And I'm almost tempted to get into some of the the factors and principles that God has been sharing with my heart. So I'm going to try to be disciplined tonight and just stick to how we can learn about fasting from this book. Because there's a lot of fasting going on here. Amen. The narrative in brief goes like this. The plot is set in a Persian empire. This is nowhere near Jerusalem. It's the Persian empire of that era. This is way before Ezra, way before Nehemiah ever uh, considered coming back. This is all before those events. Okay? So it is set in a, in a season before Nehemiah. It concerns Jews that were dispersed throughout a land controlled by the Persians in the 4th century B.C. Persian Empire at that stage extended over 127 different lands, all controlled by the Persians. In each one of those territories, Jews were slaves. Jews were held captive by the Persians. Esther is a Jewish girl living in captivity near Susha or Shushan, as some of the texts say. Um, she has a cousin called Mordecai. 
Esther was orphaned at a fairly early age, but her cousin, Mordecai, took her in as his own daughter and began to take great care of her. The narrative opens in chapter 1 with images of great festivity. If you read Esther chapter 1 and 2, there is unbridled banqueting. There is festivity and feasting um, that King Ahasuerus um, has. Culture of great feasting, which almost has subtle undertones of great immorality attendant with it when you read between the lines. This is a carnal heathen empire given to indulgences of all kinds. The king orders his queen, Vashti, to come before him so he can show her off to all the nobles. She refuses. On the advice of his close noblemen and advisors, they advise him to depose her as queen, lest other wives in the kingdom say, the queen has not submitted to the king. and Therefore, we're going to have rebellion in every house. Every wife, therefore, will take a cue from the practice of the queen. And he listens. He listens to his advisors. She is deposed. She needs to be replaced now. The king then holds a pageant, a beauty pageant, of the fairest virgins in the land to choose his next bride. Esther is selected by those who did the scouting as one of those who will be prepared to appear before the king. And if he likes her, he will choose her. You must know they only chose the most beautiful virgins throughout the entirety of the Persian Empire. Right? And this girl, Esther, was probably extremely beautiful. She must have been a sight to see. Okay? Tell your neighbor Esther. Even the name make, makes your heart melt, Esther. Before you appear before the king in that culture, you had to undergo one year's preparation. The king's eunuchs would attend to this girl, bathe her in perfumes of all kinds, six months in myrrh, I think, and then six months in all the other different kinds of, of, of ointments, and preparations by beauticians before the king even sees her. So she must have natural beauty first and then undergo this purification. Right? Esther forgoes some of the preparations and she appears in her natural self, wins the king's favor. The Bible says you just seize her and she has favor or grace from the king. Everyone say grace. Right? He favors her and she is enlisted as queen. Mordecai consistently would guide her. He would consistently instruct her. In fact, while she was in preparations for that, yet the Bible says every single day he would go to and see and take care of her and how things were going with her. Mordecai is in the role of a spiritual father because the scripture clearly says she was orphaned but he was like a, it says, a father to her. So when I read the book of Esther now, I see it through the lenses of spiritual fathering and, and sonship. Esther is cast in the role of a spiritual son. 
And Mordecai is cast in the role of a spiritual, a spiritual father. Every single one of Mordecai's instructions, she obeys. He advises her, for example, to not reveal your national identity. Keep it a secret. Do not let them know that you are Jewish. Right? And the Bible says clearly, and she listened. And she, and she obeyed. Mordecai, by God's sovereign grace, everyone says sovereign. Now, when you read the book of Esther, there's a theme that you will discover, the fact that God is sovereign. There's a sovereign God working in and through the affairs of men. You might think this is a story, but God has got every single detail in absolute control. I even believe Vashti's refusal to go to the king was of the Lord. Because if she wasn't deposed, he would not have chose Esther. Esther is raised to position of great prominence, positioned by the Lord. Sometimes God would depose another simply to promote you. Sometimes God will orchestrate events and circumstances for your promotion, for your development. When you live life in the spatial sphere of existence, where your life is submitted to one thing, the sovereignty of God. Say it with me. The sovereignty of God. The fact that God is sovereign. Now for the young people here, it's a big word when we say sovereign God. But a nice, easy to remember meaning of the fact that God is sovereign is just this. He does what he wants, when he wants, without asking anybody permission. And men on the earth simply have to accept it. God is sovereign. The Bible says, for example, he calls the rain to fall on the just and the the unjust. You might say, Father, but why are you blessing that unjust man? Don't reason it out. Just say, I don't understand it, but Father, you are sovereign. You know best. You do what you do. I simply accept your, your plans and your purposes. Mordecai, at one stage, overhears a plot to assassinate the king. And he reveals this assassination plot to the king's advisors. We inform the king, and the plot is foiled, and the culprits are incarcerated. He is not rewarded for this. He does a noble thing, yet not rewarded for this. Another character that plays a significant role in the book is a gentleman by the name of Haman. Everyone say Haman. Haman is raised by the king to be chief um, of all the advisors, a chief nobleman, if you would. He's like a prime minister, second in charge to the king. And he's full of pride. He's full of self-glory. He's a highly ambitious man. And he has this agenda to kill every single Jew in every province throughout Persia. He is incensed and angered by this fact that whenever he rides men would have to bow to him and give him a court and acknowledgement but whenever Mordecai who seemingly occupied a position of tremendous rule and governance among the Jews he seems to have a lot of influence and, and, and sway when Mordecai comes near or within him within When Haman comes within Mordecai's vicinity, Mordecai does not bow to him, 
does not give him credence, does not give him acknowledgement, and this incenses Haman even the more. Now he wants, and he says at one stage, um, I'm not just going to kill this guy, I'm going to kill every other Jew. Because he's so angry by this fact. He then orchestrates through the legal means he has at his disposal. The king to pass a law or an edict that every single Jew will be killed. Every single Jew will be annihilated. Totally obliterated from the face of the earth. When I say Jew, you think you. When I say Jew, you think you. When I say Jew, you think church. When I say Jew, you think my wealth is at stake. Let me just say this if you're not aware of it. If you just watch CNN, if you just follow the news closely, if you follow trends legally and otherwise politically within the, na- within the nations of the earth, there's a growing mounting attack against the church of the living God in the day in which we are living. If you are oblivious to it, if you are unaware of it, you need to be aware that your rights, for example, are being challenged even as a son of God, as a Christian, there's a subtle, their war in Esther's day was physical. I kill you, Jew. The war now for us is ideological. It's, it's an attack, a postmodern, an attack of, the, of a postmodernistic secular society upon anything that is Christian, upon anything that is God. What ISIS is doing in the natural with beheading Christians, is only a physical indication of the true warfare taking place where headship in every sense of society is being decapitated. There is the insubmission to godly authority. Right Right now, same-sex marriages are going to become such the order of the day it's a fight for truth. It's a fight for righteousness. If you haven't perceived it up to now, the war is on, right? The war is on. It's subtle, but it's probably the most lethal warfare we are going to ever fight. There's some ministers in the States. I read um, on Facebook one of the posts that have been incarcerated, imprisoned, for refusing to marry a gay couple. A new warfare to, in Esther's day to kill them physically. In our day, to snuff out the accurate representation of Christ in the world. Tell your neighbor the war is on. Our kids face it daily in schools. Okay? You're learning things based upon secular humanism that is totally anti-God. We have to train our kids to be very discerning because the war is on. Amen? The war is on. The news gets to Mordecai's ear of this edict, this law, this decree that has been passed. This man puts, takes off his clothes, puts on sackcloth and ashes, goes into the middle of the city, and I like what one of the versions says, weeping and wailing aloud for everyone to see. And he fasts, weeping and wailing, and he even goes up to the king's gate. 
right by the king's quarters. He could not go beyond the king's gate because nobody could go beyond the king's gate with sackcloth and, and ashes. So he goes as far as he could to the highest levels of authority, making a noise, bearing the burden of the plight and the future of God's heritage, his people in his heart. And he's fasting and praying in the same. The news gets to Esther, the spiritual son, who was mentored, who was coached, who was guided by the wisdom given to Mordecai before. She sees him, and like was read tonight, she sends a change of clothes to him. And she says, listen, take that, those, that sackcloth and ashes off. Here's some decent clothes. What does he do? He refuses it. He wants to physically, externally depict the internal state of his heart of great, deep concern for the welfare of God's people. You see, sometimes even a son cannot perceive the gravity of a situation assailing the people of God. It's usually spiritual fathers that have, that have oversight over people that will see sometimes um, how, what a serious circumstance some families are in. Sometimes when you go to them, they tell you, change your clothes. I say, no, I can't. I have to keep the slack cotton ashes for you. If you can't see it, I can see where you are. Can you understand? Right? So Mordecai, the spiritual father, says to Esther, the spiritual son, I will not change my garments now. Right? And what does he say to her? This is Esther chapter 4. What does he say to her? He says, you better approach the king in this matter. Let me read the account, the text. Esther, if you're taking notice, Esther chapter 4 and verse 14. Basically, he encourages her to approach the king and appeal to him for protection for the, for the Jews. In essence, he's saying to her, my son, use your influence, use your clout, use your position to save God's purposes vested in and through his people. And he makes the statement, he says, for if you remain silent at this time, verse 14, deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place and you and your father's house, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained to royalty or to the kingdom, as some version says, for a time such as this, for a time such as this. Now, is Esther Mordecai's spiritual son in the Lord? Yes or no? If you look at Esther 2.7, it says, Mordecai looked at her as his own daughter. Right? So that's in the natural. But in the spirit, it was a spiritual son advising a, a spiritual father advising a, a spiritual son. And notice what he says to her. He says, if you remain silent, Esther, about this issue, then not only will you perish, but everyone in your father's house will also perish. Question. Did she listen to him before she was queen? Would she listen to him now that she is queen? Yes, we know the story she would. Right? 
It's amazing. Sometimes some spiritual sons, the moment they are, they prepare to listen while they are on their path toward destiny, but the moment they get some level of influence, wealth, or, or some attainment of certain aspects of their mission in God, they then are too big to receive instruction. Not this girl. She listened before she was queen. She even obeyed the more after she was queen. She recognized I have political authority over you, but in you I can see spiritual authority that my political authority as queen has got to bow to. Remember Joseph, who became king, second to the king, second to Pharaoh in Egypt, after the reconciliation with the brothers. Remember Jacob came down, and he submitted to the word of God in his father. Remember, Jacob summoned all his sons, gather to me, you sons of Jacob, and let me tell you what will befall you in the last day. Joseph, as powerful and as influential as he was, submitted to authority. I want to encourage you. There's something about pride that develops within sons the moment they get some level of breakthrough. Then, at that level of breakthrough, to listen would be a test of your maturity. Esther passes the test. Esther's name, by the way, means hidden. She was hidden. Also means star. Right? Star or she who is hidden. Sometimes God hides his sons in the system. Because while they are in there, they're going to be used strategically for his purposes attendant with these people. Joseph in, in Genesis was raised to a position of great power. And by his own words, he says to his brothers, you sold me. But God sent me to save much people alive. And he realized, I need to use his influence to bring salvation to the people of God. Can I urge you, sons, when your breakthrough comes, never forget the voice that got you there. When you attain um, your wealth, for example, or development in some area of the purposes of God for your life, Do not become so big at that stage that you forget the issue of spiritual authority vested in and through your spiritual father. Esther passes a very, very big test here. You know what? He says to her, maybe, Esther, God put you there for such a time as this. If you don't listen, he says to her, deliverance will definitely come. Listen to Mordecai's words. He is not saying, Esther, if you disobey, then we're all in trouble. He says, deliverance will come from another source. One way or another, deliverance is coming. If you don't take opportunity of God's placement of you in this, You are going to die. Your father's house is going to die. God will simply raise up another deliverer from another source. You know what I I really feel in my heart? When I read this, my heart aches sometimes. When I view families, when I view view people, I want to declare over all of you, God has brought you to the kingdom for a time such as this. Let me declare this boldly over all of you. For 99.9% of you present here tonight, I know that God has placed you in this particular fellowship. 
you have come to this kingdom, to this household, for a time such as, as this. I've entitled this message, Fasting for Daring and Courageous Obedience. Do not listen to Randolph. Listen to the voice of Mordecai in Randolph. Listen to the voice of spiritual fathering in the voice that speaks. Listen to the voice of God in the voice of a, of a man. I want to encourage you. Let me just say this. So many things have been spelt out to you in the recent weeks in this series as the expectation of the Lord. If you disobey, then there are repercussions and results that are outside of my direct control. You will perish. But also, too, you will bring dilution to the house. One man's sin can impact a whole community. You know that? Sin is no more a private matter anymore. The Bible says, for by one man's sin, or by one man's disobedience, sin entered to all. Then by the obedience of one man, many will be made righteous. The power of one obeying or disobeying, this is Romans 5 I'm quoting, the power of one obeying or disobeying has got either positive or negative impact about the community of saints to which he is attached. Achansons, remember Achan? Achansons. What does God say to Joshua? He says, Israel sinned. But one man was responsible. One man's sin hampered the movement of the entire nation. Remember? They defeated Jericho quite well. They were then going to the men of Ai, which by comparison was a lesser enemy. But they were defeated. Joshua prays. He says, why God? God says to him, Israel sinned. Right? And you know, Achan was routed and the issue was? The issue was dealt with. I want to encourage you, church. Now is not the time. You know how I think about it? This is how I think about it. Now, based upon the revelation I have. Now, if I sin. Now, based on all I know. Now, if I sin. To me, it's evidence that I don't love you. My personal sin has got body ramifications. Now, part of my motivation to keep myself pure, righteous, holy, and watch my attitude, watch my actions. I live a pure and circumspect life before the Lord. Because I have my brothers also in mind. That if I mess up, possibly I will bring shame to this house by virtue of my association here. But more so, I will bring an impediment to the forward acceleration of God's purposes. The entire book of Esther hinges upon her reactions. The, either the outcome for good or bad is dependent upon how this girl will act. Fortunately, she obeys. And you know, let's read it together. What does she say? The classic saying in the book of Esther, in chapter 14. Let me, before we go there, before you, sorry, chapter 4, verse 16. Before you go there, Mordecai said, deliverance will come from another sector, another quarter, another avenue, right? All God was doing to Esther was affording her the opportunity of playing a key role in the outcome of matters. And for, for influencing the will of God in a very, very serious matter. Let me see by the show of your hands. How many of you, seriously, 
want to play a pivotal part in God's dealings. In the will of the Lord. Now my hand is high, thank God. So I can hear the Lord saying to me, Randolph, now Randolph. If you don't courageously and daringly obey every single one of my principles. I am still going to work with or without you. You are not going to hold up my program. Please hear my voice. I hear the Lord saying this even now. God is saying, you are not in any way, you Achan. Remember Achan? Who held up the process. God is about to take Achan out of the, the camp so that the will of God can, can go forward. Please, I say this seriously, brethren. I say this with all humility of heart, yet with every ounce of seriousness in my being. Given all the warnings we had up to this point, given all the revelation, given all the teachings, now God's going to deal with Achan. The Achan type mentality that thinks I can hide in 12 tribes of Israel. I'm sure I will never ever be found out. This is how this guy thought. There's millions of people here, 12 tribes. Each tribe is comprised of various clans. In each clan, there are several families. In each family, there are several households. I'm just one of them, yeah? I will never be found out. The searchlight of God goes and goes and routes the culprit. And Achan is found out. The shame thing, the, 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 the thing that is sad for me with Achan is this. He is killed. His wife is killed. His children are killed. Even his cattle. What does the dog got to do with all of this? These animals. God said, I don't want anything of Achan in the camp again. Take them all out to the outer gates and stone them to death. I say this to you seriously by the Spirit of the Lord. Now is not the time to mess up. Say that with seriousness to your neighbor. I beg of you. I plead with you. Now is not the time to fail. Fail, if you would, that will be something of your making. Deliverance will simply come from another. God will simply use what he would have used you for in the outcome of things. He will simply raise up a, another through whom to work. God, Mordecai is saying to Esther, Girl, if you're not going to get your act together, perish you will, perish I will, but God will simply orchestrate deliverance through somebody else. I like that statement of his, eh? He's saying either way deliverance is going to come. He's convinced God will always take care of his people. God will always protect. The will of the Lord will always triumph. Listen to what, let's put that verse up. Listen to what um, she then says after realizing the gravity of the situation. She says, go assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa or Shushan. Fast for me and do not eat or drink for three days. Night or day, I and my maidens will also fast in the same way. And thus I will go to the king, which is not according to the law. If I perish, I perish. In those days, no one could just go to the king. You had to be called by him. In fact, it was 30 days since she was last called. A month had gone. 
Right? If you read the text. 30 days she had lost. Now Mordecai is saying, girl, you better go approach your king, use your power, use your influence, and see to it if you can't save us from this calamity. Right? She says, what I'm about to do is not according to the law. She knows I'm going to break every rule in the book. Tell your neighbor it's time for rule breaking in a good way. I know, please, all the learners, I know school starts tomorrow. I don't mean those rules. Those rules at school, you, Clayton, you're listening, you listen to, right? All the learners here, who's glad school is opening tomorrow? Oh, my hand, both hands up. <laughs> Freedom, Lord, thank you. One day's rest before we travel. <laughs> Amen. I mean rule breaking in a positive sense. You see, what is customary? What is protocol? What persists in your world? What is the routine of your day? What is the program of your life needs to change? Break the culture. Do something different to indicate your desperation. I want to say that with all seriousness. Please hear me. Do something different to indicate your desperation. And you know for her, she knew that, um, oh by the way, If you came before the king uncalled for, the only way your life could be spared if he extended the, the scepter to you. And, you know, if you read the account, she goes before him. The Bible says he saw her at a distance. And when he saw her, the Bible says this, she found great grace and favor in his sight. This is a season for great grace. This is a season for great favor. I want to encourage you all. It's favor from our king of kings. It's not about, yes, we're going to make daring acts of obedience in some respects. But as we simply, you see, she just positioned herself in his view. That's all she did. She hadn't even started approaching. Scripture says she just, he just saw her from a distance and already she finds great grace and great favor. Who needs more grace? Who needs more favor? Let me challenge you now. There are some things you are contemplating doing that you are reluctant to do, knowing it's the will of the Lord. There are principles you know to be true, but your obedience thereto is lagging or lacking. I am challenging you in this season, come hell or high water, obey, and say like Esther, I will obey, let's say for example, I'm going to use Titus as an example because It's something we can all relate to. Listen carefully. Let's say in the matter of tithing, you say like Esther, her command to obey was to approach the king and to listen to the voice of Mordecai, his spiritual father. She says, yes, I will listen. I'm going to go breaking every protocol, going against my flesh, listening to godly counsel. If I perish in the process, I perish. Right? You know what? She was saying, if I don't go, I die. If I go, I may die or may live. Might as well go. Either way, she, she has got a better chance going because of a positive outcome. Right? Here's it. If you don't tithe, you die. You can't expect blessing if you don't tithe. I will not compromise this issue. It is biblical. You've got to say to the Lord, say, Lord, it's hard because of pressing needs. I will obey 
Everyone say daring. It takes great courage. You say, God, I honor the principle. I am approaching you, my king, and I'm going to find great grace and favor in your sight. I know, listen to me very carefully, because I've been there where some of you are at financially. You say to yourself, I know if I go through with this tithe, that I'm based on what is left in the bank, I face certain death. Some of you die, you, you will die, 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 I mean real. You say, uh, it's certain calamity, but I will, I will give priority to a principle, I will obey, if I die, I die. Do you know what the three boys, I think it was the three boys, the, the, in the account in Daniel, three boys, when they were, they refused to bow to the graven image, right? And what was the penalty? Death. You know what they said to the king? I like what they say. These guys got what we call inkani in a good way. You know inkani? Attitude. Uh, <laughs> it's a Zulu word, I think. Eh? But inkani in a good way. <laughs> Tell you never have spiritual inkani. <laughs> I like what they say. Boldly they say without fearing. And we're not talking about these are Persian kings. If you watch the movie, The 300, the, the way the Persian kings are, they're arrogant. They're full of pride. They, it's their way or no way. This is that kind. Persian empires, we're dealing with the Esther's day, were the, were the most feared in their times. These three boys says to the king, O king, let it be known to you that we will not bow to you, for our God will deliver us. And if he doesn't deliver us, we're still not going to bow. How is that for an attitude? It's saying, not going to bow to you because our God will save us. But just in case he doesn't decide to save us in this one, we will still serve him and not bow to you. You've got to say to mammon, the spirit that controls money, I will not bow to you. If my God chooses to save me, then well, let it be. Even if it doesn't, I'm not going to bow to you, your principle, your siphoning of my finances. I will bow to God's principle because I know in my heart, great grace. Everyone say great grace. I say this to you like a father. I say this, you know, I've never been more serious in my life. I'm speaking like a Mordecai to you. We are challenged in the same area. Somebody blessed us in the week with some money. Now we don't even talk about it. Now, before I even tell Renee, the EFT is gone off, the tide is gone off already to my spiritual father. I don't count the, the cost. I don't factor the reasoning in my mind. And there are tons of needs. But I said, uh, this world was brewing in my heart. If I die doing this, so be it, I die. But I will not sacrifice this principle. You're going to say in the matter of forgiveness, for example. Some of you have been through troubled times. And you're saying, must I forgive or not? Say to yourself, I will forgive the brother. I will forgive the sister. If it works against me, so be it. But I'm not going to compromise the principle of forgiveness. Amen? Can you, can, you hear the, can you get to what I'm saying? I use money because it's something we can easily relate to. Ask your neighbor this. What area is God calling you to courageously obey? Remember the lepers that stood outside the city? Remember that incident? 
the lepers outside the city? They said, if we stay here, we die. If we go into the city, we die. But perhaps we will live. I talk to you as a prophet of God tonight with great love. I'm trying to give you hope. If you don't, remember in the week I, I told you about mid-course correction. Hey? Mid-course correction. If I'm going from this corner to that corner, one corner of the building and I'm walking, and this trajectory, straight line is the shortest distance from this corner to that corner, and I walk, and I walk. But there's the path where I'm walking. But I should be going there. Where am I landing up? In fact, the longer this movement and the further, the longer it takes to correct to get back to the true destination. Let me say this to you. The longer you take to correct your pattern of behavior, the more difficult it is going to be to reinstate it. Right? I counseled a couple in the week, and I drew this on a map. In fact, I'm going to make a, you must make a post, I'll send it to you, about trajectories. The longer you realize we are on a path where it will be difficult for us to get back on track, the more difficult it is. Amen? You know, Esther acted with great haste. Tell your neighbor, grace will be given to you. Brethren, I know it's sounding difficult tonight. I have decided, Lord, I will obey first fruits, come hell or high water. If I perish, I will rather perish than disappoint you. I will obey tithes. I will obey first fruits. I will obey uh, forgiving. I will obey the gathering of the saints. I will obey honoring my spiritual father, even if it costs me everything. But come hell or high water, I will observe all of your principles. Hmm? You've got to get to that place. We're going to fast Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And I want to encourage you, this fast is going to be that God will afford you great grace for great breakthrough. Great grace for great, great breakthrough. I really want to encourage you. Fast seriously. She says, if I perish, I, I perish. And you know the story. How many of you read the book? You read the book? Right? You must reread it. Just camp in the book for a while. Camp in the book. Tell you never Esther's the plot. <laughs> you know what I really think? I really think the book should be called Mordecai. But Mordecai doesn't sound too nice as a book title. <laughs> you know why it ends with him in chapter 10? The whole chapter is about him. Esther is nothing without his guidance. Right? She plays a pivotal role. And you know, um, when, when the king extended the scepter, and so she finds grace. You know, he loved her so much. He says, anything you want, ask. Even up to half of my kingdom, I'm willing to cut it in half and give you half. How's that for an open-ended check? Hey? I feel that's how the Lord is posturing himself to us. Great grace is being bestowed upon us. Some of you, I prophesy, are going to come into great breakthroughs this week. This week. Amen? This week. Do you believe this? Come on, church, I need you to respond. I need you to activate your faith. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Great grace is going to come to you if you say to God, Yes, Father, your will or no will. It's either your way or no way. 
If I die, I would rather die. But you're calling me because I sense in the spirit. The sense of the king is extended to this fellowship. There's grace. Great grace is going to be afforded and accorded to every single one of us. I can go as far as to say not one household will be omitted from the good pleasure of our God. From the kindness of the Lord bestowed upon us. You know what she said? Fast for? Fast for me. Tell you never fast for me. I like what Fiona said. And then she said, assemble all the Jews in Susha, this province. Assemble all the Jews. What's going to happen in Susha with that company of Jews? It's going to benefit the Jews in every single one of the 127 provinces. What can happen here, brethren, amongst us, can benefit Zion corporately out there, the churches. I really feel God has called us to be a standard. Amen? Will you take this far seriously this week? Come on, we need to be serious. Um, because we are traveling and we're involved in so many meetings, we're going to be fasting partially because we can't be dishonorable to our hosts there. Okay, but we'll be engaged in a partial fast. And you know what? Their fast was a total fast. All I'm asking you, they did not eat, they didn't even take water for three days, no food. This was either do or die time. Let me call you couples, all the married couples. It's either do or die time for you. You say, honey or bunny, whatever you call each other. Let's, you and I, like I said, get up at quarter past five to quarter to six every morning. I so enjoyed praying with Renee at the time. Something powerful. Amen. Let's express a jointness and a unity, a oneness like we've never known before. Let's also take our fasting to the next level. If you are fasting, just having one meal a day, why not fast the whole day? Just having liquids. Some of you might do a total fast. I'm not going to prescribe that all I'm saying. Whatever level of fasting you are comfortable with up to this point, take it to the next degree. You see, they did not call a wet fast here. She said, no food, no water, all the Jews in Susha for three days. 72 hours of brotherhood fasting. Let me just say this now carefully. I said we're going to be fasting for each other. Not so? She said, fast for me. I and my attendants, my compatriots, my maidens, we will fast also. The principle is, don't expect others to fast for you if you're not prepared to fast as well. She was not saying, okay, I'm, I'm the big door in the story. I'm the main role player. Everybody else go on a fast and pray that God be with me. No, she says, I will also submit myself to humbling before my God, before I approach him. You must know before she comes there, she has already fasted three days. She's prepared the, the context. You know also, listen carefully, people make a big thing about the Daniel fast. What about making a big thing about the Esther fast? Hmm? But the Esther fast is not about Esther fasting. Who fasts before her? Mordecai is already fasting. With wailing. He sets the pace by his personal Example, the son sees that. The father's not prepared to change his, his garments. He said, I will, I, will, I will keep this posture of deep depression, deep wailing, calling upon my God for the salvation of my people. He's in essence saying to her, my son, pitch into my heart. 
and a copy me. And I think it must have gladdened his heart when she, in a kingly disposition, says, all the Jews fast for three days. And she goes to a king, and her husband extends the scepter. She says, ask me anything, up to half the kingdom. What does she say? I'll tell you tomorrow. <laughs> she doesn't just jump in. Huh? She says, let's organize a banquet. Call Haman. Call this guy, Haman, to the banquet. I want to eat with him. I want to meet my enemy face to face. This girl is bold. Eh? This is not beauty and no brains. This is beauty and guts. This is not a weak person. She says, I want to see this Haman. Call him to the banquet. At the banquet, again, she asks, the king asks, my queen, what do you want? Up to half in Haman's presence. She says, organize another banquet tomorrow with Haman. Okay. Haman, after leaving that night, goes, and who does he pass by the gate? Mordecai is still there in fasting and wailing. It incenses him even the more when Mordecai disregards him, doesn't acknowledge him, doesn't bow. He, that night, under the advice of Haman's wife, she says, this guy is going too far. Pull some gallows so we can hang him. Organize it. Haman orders the building of the, the gallows to hang, to hang Mordecai. That night, everyone say that night. So that night, when the devil is working to kill you, God gives the king a dream. The king can't sleep. He wakes up. And he calls for the king's chronicles. Every kingdom has chronicles, records of events that took place in the kingdom. For some reason he can't sleep. And he reads there that a certain gentleman by the name of Mordecai foiled assassination attempt on his life a few days earlier. And he asks his attendants, oh, 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 why wasn't I told about this? And he says, what has been done for this man? The guy says, nothing. At that time, Haman is coming in. The king says, is Haman in the courts? The children say, yes, he is. Haman comes running in. And the king says to Haman, Haman, what can we do to honor someone in our kingdom who has expressed honor to us? And the Bible says this. Haman, thinking that it was him that the king wants to honor, says, that man must ride a horse that the king rode. That man must only wear apparel that the king has worn. That man must ride throughout all the territories. Everybody must bow to him. Right? And what the king says to him, wow. Everything you have said, and he says this, to the detail, leaving nothing out, do for Mordecai. Right? Now imagine how enraged the man is now. Eh? Do for Mordecai. He's incensed. Queen Esther reveals the plot of Haman against the Jews. She says to him, essentially, long story short, read the, I'm leaving some details because of time. Long story short, she reveals the plot to the king. That there's a certain man that is bent. She reveals her identity. I'm not Persian, I'm Jewish. And they are my people that are under threat. You know what the Bible says? Haman gets now, and she says, the king asks, who is this man? She says, Haman. She blows it, the whistle. <laughs> Don't play with Esther. This, this girl is wise as to what to say 
when to say it. We must learn that art. Right? What to say when. Right? And you know what the Bible says? Haman and the king went out enraged. Haman, knowing his plight, that the king is probably organizing his death sentence, pleads with king, with Queen Esther, almost falling on the couch to her. At that point, he comes back and he thinks, the queen, the king thinks that he's trying to molest his wife. He says, no, even in my presence. By that time, the guards are on him and they take him to be hung on the same gallows that he built for Mordecai's death. So what the enemy has planned for your destruction, God will work for your construction. The plan that is designed to kill you, God will intervene to preserve you. No attempt of Haman will succeed. I want to I affirm the house tonight. Your destiny, everyone here. If, if I had the time, I will go through row by row and call your names. I want to speak passionately to you. Not your destiny, it will not be destroyed. Your future in God will not be destroyed. If you fast with grace to obey courageously, if you fast individually with the mentality of the corporate welfare of all my brothers, if you fast with this understanding, I will fast because I want to bring my brothers into breakthrough. I will fast with courage to be courageous, to obey God with daring acts of obedience. If I die obeying this, then Father, let it be so I'm dying. So long as I obey your will. I know from your word that you will break through. That you will come through. And you know what? He is hung. The edict is reversed. Queen Esther suggests to her king, oh, by the way, pass another law saying that every Jew in all of the provinces must have the right to defend themselves against any enemy that attacks them. And the law is passed. In fact, they kill 10 of Haman's sons, the Jews, and some enemies, 500 men in total, protect themselves. And when I read that, the Spirit said to me, I'm going to restore to my church the right to defend truth, the right to defend principles. You might think this ideological warfare, that we, it's a losing battle. You might think that the Hamans of this world are, are winning, the, winning the plots. But I'm here to encourage you, church, that we, at the end of the day, we will win. One way or another, deliverance is coming from, for, for us, the people of God. A feast is organized. It's called Purim. Read it. Everyone say Purim. From the word pure. Esther organizes a feast. Tell your neighbor, from the fast, we're going to go to the feast. Let me say this to you by the Spirit. Watch this space. Watch this space. Right now, right now, they might seem despair. They might seem depressed. They might seem things that are going wrong. God you see the season fasting we started in January. It seems like for January, three months now, February, now even March, and we're going to, to April. God is dealing with us so somberly. I'm sure some of you might be thinking, when is pastor going to minister one of his rejoicing messages? When are things going to change? Let me tell you by the Spirit. The feast is about to begin. A feast was organized. A feast was called, and I think I, I shared this thought with you 
in the, the WhatsApp message, I think I sent it by email, I can't, don't know how I sent it, in the email message, I don't know where it is in my notes, the, 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 the comparison between Esther 4 and Esther 9. 4 3 says this in each Esther 4 3, in each and every province where the command and the decree of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting and weeping and wailing, and many were laid in sackcloth and ashes. This was corporate. But by the time you get to Esther 9.22, the first part of that verse, it says, As the days on which the Jews got relief from their enemies, as the month that had been turned for them from sorrow into gladness, from mourning into a holiday. Who needs a holiday in the spirit? Oh, I need one desperately. <laughs> the word holiday in the Greek text or the Hebrew text is simply, it means a good day. Who needs a good day? Who's tired of having bad days? Tell your neighbor your bad days are over. If you regard me as the mouthpiece of the Lord, I decree and declare to you the struggle that you have faced up to this point. If you listen to the principles vested in this teaching, it will change your sorrow into gladness. Psalm 30, he turned my mourning into dancing. Things can change in a in a, in a moment, a specific month, God changed. Tell your neighbor, smile a while and give your face a rest. <laughs> I like that psalm. It says, the sound of joyful shouting and salvation is in the dwelling of the righteous. The next verse says, and the right hand of the Lord does valiantly. When last did we hear laughing in your home? When last did the sound of joyful shouting and salvation characterize your existence? God, the sound of joy, is about to return to your dwelling. God is going to break through. God's going to break through powerfully for you. Let's read Ezra chapter 10. It's a short chapter. It's only four verses or so, I think. Check out the saga ends. Eh? By the way, Mordecai is given a blue and white robe that belonged to the, to the king, remember? He's given fine linen. He's given a crown, king's horse. He's actually made prime minister. Mordecai becomes second in charge of the Persian empires, second to the prince, the king. How is that for breakthrough? Hey? Breakthrough. Let's read Esther chapter 10. Have we got it there, Luke? Sorry, Esther. <laughs> now King Ahasuerus laid a tribute on the land and on the coastlands of the sea. And all the accomplishments of his authority and strength and the full account of the greatness of Mordecai. That's why I said the book is about Mordecai. And the greatness, everyone say the greatness of Mordecai. And the greatness of Mordecai to which the king advanced him. Are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia? For Mordecai the Jew was second only to King Ahasuerus. How is that from weeping and wailing in sackcloth? How is that to be ranked second in charge to a king? Right? Everyone say elevation. And it says he was great among the Jews and in favor with his, with his many kinsmen, 
One who sought what? Here's the key, brethren. What is, what is Mordecai about? It says he's one that seeks the, the good of, of, of his people. One who spoke for the welfare of his whole nation. I think there's one more verse or two more. Is that it? Okay. I want to encourage you. There's going to come great ascendancy and elevation. It's going to happen. God's going to turn your morning into dancing. So are we all going to fast this week? Amen? Even the students? Okay? You know when I was a student, um, at school I took 12 slices of brown bread and peanut butter. Every single day. Peanut butter, because we were bodybuilding in those years, and we couldn't afford the protein shakes. So peanut butter was the cheapest source of protein. So all we did, I remember my mother used to buy this half a loaf of, uh, it was like half loaves of whole wheat. We used to buy from Khan's van, used to pass by it in the mornings. So just, I used to just buy it for me, to buy the half loaf, cut the whole thing up, just, just and gone. By varsity, it was 16 slices. Right? At varsity, my, my nickname was Peanut Butter Bunny. Because my, my lunch looked like a bunny chow and it was full of peanut butter. <laughs> and uh, at school, it's amazing the favor I had at school. Eh? At school, only I was, because I was in a bodybuilding program and I had to have a recurrent intake of protein, I was allowed to eat two slices of the every period, not waiting for the break. I was the envy of the class. Of, as the bell rang, <laughs> go to the next period. Let me ask you this, even the students, those at school, our school starts tomorrow, but maybe if you, like Clayton, you're a sports person, just be careful, don't go on it, you need the energy, just be careful what you do. Those of us that, like, um, Yako, you, you're out there in the sun, the building, you're on site, just be careful how you fast so you don't impact your work performance. I'm saying each one decide for yourself to what degree will you make the extra sacrifice. Maybe for some of the learners from... From 16 slices a day, you're going to now take 14, only 14 slices a day. Right? You make some sacrifice, right? Um, but make some sacrifice. I want to encourage you to pray fervently every single morning, right? At your house churches, it's not time for discussion. I don't want a house church meeting on Thursday night. House church is prayer time. We're coming, you know the principles. It's coming to call heaven, will to be done on earth. Review that study on prayer. Gathered, you can, your leader can organize the prayer meeting however they feel led. But it's one hour of solid praying, calling upon the Lord. Amen? And great breakthrough is going to be our portion. Amen. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands to the Lord. Come on, let's just touch heaven. Let's touch heaven. You know, I'm feeling so positive tonight. I can see with prophetic eyes. The king's scepter, our king. Of grace. A scepter is one of rule and authority. It was a golden scepter. It's extended to you. God is saying, if you simply obey my son, I know you have a hard time. I know this, things have been hard. Things have been difficult. But you heard my word tonight. Grace has been extended. If you simply obey, I'm going to change and reorder your world forever. Vicky, this applies to you also. Things are going to happen uh, to such a degree, it will amaze you at the outcomes of the Lord. You just stick to principle. Say, God, no matter come hell or high water, be like those, those, those three boys. I'm not going to bow. God will deliver me. Even if 
God doesn't deliver me, I will demonstrate my commitment of obedience and loyalty to His principles. Amen. So, Father, we just thank You. Thank You, loving Father, for great grace. I pray great grace and peace right now will attend everybody. I pray Your blessing will be upon every single one. I pray great abundance and breakthrough will befall every single family as we submit ourselves this week. Our trust is not in the fasting, Father. Our trust is in you. We are simply fasting to humble our souls, to indicate our desperation, to strengthen our prayer. And I ask, O oh God, that things will move in this week and your people will come into a place of abundance. For some like Mordecai who have wailed for such a long time and have almost been a public embarrassment. But in this season, Father, you are going to raise them up to the place of prominence that they should have occupied according to your sovereign determination. Right now, loving Father, I bow to your sovereignty. Intervene in the affairs of men. Intervene now, Father, in the affairs of my life. Like you looked at even a, a, a powerful Persian empire and your will prevailed. Come to my circumstance. Come to my issue. And move things, orchestrate men. Depose Vashtis if you have to. Move princes, raise up others, reorchestrate things, events, circumstances for my good, and let your will be done in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.